When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is another Market Down Monday. I'm Nathan Baird along with Doug Maurice and Stephen Means. We are marking down Ohio State's opening day lineup on both sides of the ball. We've marked down position battles in the past um, and sort of separated out just a handful of them. There aren't a lot of them this year, really. I mean, as far as like like crucial position battles, Doug, does this feel like almost the smallest number of consequential position battles going into a season? In recent memory, mm, I mean, fifteen didn't have many, right? The, the, that well, most okay. of that national memory, I said. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, you just you happen to get, and it's one of those things where a year ago, Ryan Day talked all preseason, all during the season about how young they were, and then a year after you're really young, you have a lot of right. rather established guys back to do the same thing, and even at some of the places where you lost your best players, it's kind of obvious, you know, Chris Olave has gone. Garrett Wilson is gone. Tyreek Smith is gone, but we're not exactly sitting around like pulling our hair out, trying to figure out who's going to replace those guys as starters. So it's, I don't even know that it's a cycle. It's just sort of like, um, it just happens sometimes. Sometimes you're really young and the result is the next year you're really established. Steven, is it a good thing or a bad thing that Ohio State goes into a season with so few position battles, which is a relevant question only because they, especially on defense, they were dissatisfied with the production last year. And it's a lot of the same guys in the mix at a lot of the same positions. It's a good thing because of the context of a lot of those places, they were really young as in like true freshmen playing at those roles and they're not true freshmen and they got a lot of experience last year and playing in roles that they probably shouldn't have had to play in in the first place, but that's not neither here nor there. So it's a good thing. We're going to focus on the 22 starting positions on this podcast. I think there are probably more intriguing battles farther down the depth chart, like who are going to be the, three backup offensive linemen, three best offensive linemen. How is the, regardless of who starts at, at whatever position, what is the rotation and hole going to look like there? Um, who's stepping up to be the next best linebacker? Those sorts of things. Like, I think those to me are, are interesting things that we'll be writing about in the preseason. But for this exercise, we're just focusing on the starters. And since we started on defense for the Thursday pod, where we talked about the 2024 team and how recruiting is affecting that, We'll start on offense here. Let's go back to what I published in April, which was the uh, the depth chart for uh, coming out of the spring game. And we'll see how, if any if anybody's thoughts have changed in the past few months as to what that should be. 
I had CJ Stroud starting at quarterback. Anybody Wrong. marking down someone other than CJ Stroud to start at quarterback? When you were right to the tough ones. I don't think there's any. <laughs> I don't think there's any any uh, reason to mess around. Let's we're gonna we're gonna delve right into the controversy. I th- I say CJ Stroud should start on opening night, unless it's like the 2008 Fiesta Bowl where Todd Beckman for, took the first snap at quarterback and like Terrell Pryor was lined up at receiver and then Terrell Pryor played quarterback the rest of the night. But when you look at Terrell Pryor's career record as a starting quarterback, they don't count that as a start for him because they threw, <laughs> they threw out Todd Beckman. So um, barring that kind of wrinkle, yes, I'll go with CJ Stroud. It's almost quaint to, to think back to last year and like the all of the the just the daily obsession over who's getting reps what order are they going in how did they look when they were throwing at the very far end of the field and we could sort of see it but kind of not and did the receiver run the right route like and now it's just you've got absolute certainty at the most important position on the field I like quarterback uncertainty. I think quarterback competitions are oh, fun to cover. It's so, great for traffic. It's great for interest. It's great for podcasts. It's, but I think Ryan Day would say this is better for him and his uh, his nerves. Yeah, but but also get back to us a year from now, and we'll see if there's actually like a Kyle McCord Devin Brown battle, or if it's sure. obvious to everybody. And I mean, I do think this is right. This probably is the cycle that Ryan day would take, which is like battle, no battle, battle, no battle, because like that, the no battle is the guy who won it the year before stayed and is still it. But I don't know that he ever thinks he'll have a three-year starting quarterback. So battle, no battle, battle, no battle. And we happen to be in a no battle year. There's no assertion that there's a backup quarterback battle right now. Right. This is common cords job as a backup. Yeah. To be honest with you, I'm just happy that Big Ten Media Days was the last time we get to hear anybody say the words having a quarterback who'd never thrown a pass. Oh, I think Ryan Day will find a way to squeeze it in here between now and opening night. But I mean, like, I just want to make it clear, like, do you guys not like quarterback battles? Because when we said that a thousand times last year, it was very interesting to have a team that people thought should contend for a national title and they didn't have guys who had ever played before. Like no, uh, we, we could make the point that, yeah, we get it. That we, we understand CJ Stroud is a high, is the Heisman favorite and last year. He'd never played, but I am pro I'm standing for the record. I am pro quarterback battle. So um, this is great. It's also fun to cover the Heisman favorite, but if Devin Brown, Kyle McCord next year is actually a, a bit of a thing, if it's not an obvious slam dunk, I am here for it. No, I think I think you're right. I agree with that. I think that last year, you know, every season is a story. And the story of last season up until November 26th looked like it was going to be in large part. This guy wins the starting job and then he's hurt. It isn't going great. They lose. Not really his fault. He looks bad. They sit him for a week and then he comes back and just scorches college football for the last two thirds of the season and what that was going to mean for this program and what it was going to maybe set up for the next year as well. And now it's more about a a little bit of a, everybody on this roster, I guess, has a little bit of a redemption story and he's just one of them. He was kind of embracing that. It sounded like Steven from the, you you spend a lot of time at his table uh, at big 10 media days on Wednesday. Yeah, that was pretty much the gist of it. I'm love hate relationships with quarterback battles. 
I think they're obviously interesting, but I do think sometimes it can get out of the way of, you know, the other stuff that's going on at the other 21 spots. And we spent a good amount of time covering a, a quarterback battle where the guy everybody think was going to win ended up winning. And quite frankly, that was never really the real problem with this team. It was always going to be the defense, but because there was also a quarterback battle, that obviously takes precedent. It's interesting. There were, and I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if Indianapolis is going to be the new home of Big Ten media days. Nathan, you were sort of maybe like talking to people who gave an indication. Maybe the Big Ten kind of likes that now. It had always been in Chicago, but uh, I don't know if people realize this. Notre Dame, the College of Notre Dame, the university football program is located in Indiana. So it's also pretty close to Chicago, but there were uh, people who cover Indiana, excuse me. There were people who cover Notre Dame at big 10 media days, asking Ohio state people, a lot of Notre Dame questions, which was a very good use of their time and energy because good idea. And next year, the Ohio state Notre Dame game in 2023, isn't the opener. So it might not be exactly the same, but they were asking some of the Ohio State, someone asked like Ronnie Hickman, hey, how, how do you break down Drew Pine versus Tyler Buckner? Those two Notre Dame quarterback. And Ronnie Hickman was like, ah, whatever. but <laughs> Notre Dame has a quarterback battle right now because mm-hmm. Jack Cohn was the starter last year, former noodle arm from Wisconsin. He's gone. Both Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner are pretty highly rated guys. What should happen is that one of those guys wins the job this year and he's the quarterback. And in 2023, Notre Dame knows exactly who its quarterback is because it's the same guy who it was in 2022. And maybe people will be asking some Kyle McCord, Devin Brown questions, maybe. But um, I do think as fascinated, I am, what a great opener. Jack Park, the official, unofficial, official historian of Ohio State football, was there, had a lovely conversation with Jack. He's a great guy. But he, uh, I think, asked a question of Ryan Day and couched the Notre Dame opener as potentially the most anticipated season opener in Ohio State history, which I'm not going to tell Jack Park he's wrong. It makes me want to go back and think. I mean, people, Notre Dame is, is, a, is kind of a, a rival for Ohio State that you don't get to see very much. It's in Ohio Stadium. It's Marcus Freeman. Ohio State is a national championship contender. There's a lot to it. I am super interested in 2023 and Ohio State and a younger Ohio State team and a maybe more established Notre Dame team and now Notre Dame's at home. And that's going to be like that is going to be, I think, a great test for where Ohio State is in 2023. Again, it's not the opener, but I'm not looking past this. But I think people would be pretty shocked if Ohio State loses this game to Notre Dame. My anticipation looking a year ahead, because why wouldn't we look a year ahead? We just a whole podcast looking two years ahead. Looking a year ahead, I think Ohio State at Notre Dame in 2023 might be a coin flip, like a legitimate, that might be a pickup game potentially, because I think Notre Dame's going to be pretty good this year, and Ohio State will have a first-time starting quarterback. They will have a first-time starting quarterback, but they'll also have third-year Trevion Henderson, um, the greatest team in college football history, starting cornerbacks, third-year edge rushers. Like It's going to still be a... (laughs) This will be a pretty strong team. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm going out on a limb, and I'll mark that down. Ohio State's still pretty strong in 2023. <laughs> Staying in the backfield for this exercise, the guy I just mentioned, I marked down. I, I had Trayvon Henderson as the starter coming out of the spring game. I'm still marking down Trayvon Henderson as the starting running back. Anybody want to uh, challenge me on that? No, it's just your, your decision as the host to decide how much we want to talk about obvious things. 
I don't think we so. want to talk that much about that. I think the other question is interesting, and I don't know how much we want to go into that since we are focusing on starters, but the Mayan Williams Evan Pryor backfield battle, if you want to call it that, is interesting. But I don't know if it's a thing that um gets realized that much by opening night. So the one thing is like last year it felt like the backup running back changed week to week. And I wonder if that'll be the case this year, right? It was there were weeks, and I think both Master Teague and Mayan Williams had injuries, but it almost felt like they wanted it. It's like who had a good week of practice. That's the number two running back this week. So I think that might be the case this season as well, but also we can't have all the backup conversations because we'll have nothing to talk about for the next month when we're at camp. Very true. Wide receiver. X receiver, Marvin Harrison, Jr. Z receiver, Julian Fleming, slot receiver, Jackson Smith, the Jigwa. That's how I had it coming out of the spring. And I'm going to, Mark down those same three guys as the opening night starters. Any any contesting of those three? Really, of the two? Are we so, marking down? So let's be clear. We are doing something that you can actually mark down is, which if anybody would actually care enough, you could write down what we predict. Being right is who takes the field for the first snap against Notre Dame. Because that's something you can mark down. So there is also a discussion here of maybe they come out with two tight ends, maybe Rich Rich Rossi's hanging around. So that's part of this conversation here because that is the very specific thing that we're going to have an answer to four minutes into the game because we'll see Ohio State on both sides. We'll be able to say somebody got 19 of 22 spots right and somebody got 20 of 22 spots right. So then your anticipation is coming out three wide. I'm still saying three wide, yes. Yeah, because if I'm going to mark this down as my appetizer. The first pa- first play is going to be a screen pass to, uh, to uh, Jackson Smith Jigba. A screen pass? Yeah. Little bubble uh, screen, get the ball to Jackson, and let's see what happens. Um, Notre Dame, I think, still likes to play, right? Like three safeties? I, I don't. I don't think it's impossible that they come out with two tight ends to try to throw a wrinkle at somebody and hand the ball to Travion, especially we talked about going into big 10 media days, how many toughness physical questions would Ryan day and the Buckeyes be asked. And it wasn't an overwhelming amount, but also like Ryan day wasn't, you know, exactly disagreeing with it. Right. That as much, again, we can continue to have that conversation. I wonder if they, what if they came out and handed the ball to Trevion Henderson on seven of 11 plays and ran two tights and tried to stuff it down Notre Dame's throat because everybody knows they can throw it, but let's answer the, the question people have about this offense right off the bat. I don't think that's impossible. Mm. I'll make the same prediction with three receivers on the field, but if you wanted to go Joe Royer and Cade Stover with two tight ends and you know, it's like the the Julian Fleming and Mecca Buka questions. Like the answer to start is neither because we're going to come out with Marvin and, and JSN and that's it. I, I don't know what odds you'd put on that, but if you put the right odds on that, that wouldn't be a terrible bet. I think uh, I get what you're saying, but I also think Ryan Days is going to come out and do what he knows he's going to win in week one just because Notre Dame is pretty good. And he'll answer some toughness questions later in the season. But we can't answer one, toughness questions against Arkansas State. I, but, I'm understanding that, but you can answer toughness questions against Wisconsin and some other opponents on your schedule. But in week one, when you're playing an actual good opponent, you just come out and do what you know is going to win you the game. 
Yeah, the pushback on the toughness idea that Ryan Day did put out there was he doesn't feel like it was um, a, a, a season-long issue, that he thought mm. that there were plenty of games you could look at and say that that team exhibited toughness, but you can't look at the most important games and say they didn't get beat physically. So, I mean, what, what can you say? Like, you can't, it would be, you, there, you'd be arguing facts that, uh, contra- contrary to the facts. So, um, that's, I think what you're getting at is, makes a lot of sense, Doug. And if, if there really is not a consensus that either of those receivers needs to start, do you come out and double tight? Cause that's something Ryan Day is comfortable with. It's something that in general the offense is comfortable with. Um, and you can get something established on the ground. I, that makes sense to me. I mean, you wouldn't do it cause you're not, you're afraid to play a third receiver. I mean, it would be because no, you would, you're trying you to like run the, the ball. Yeah. You're trying to um, work some play action, right? right? That kind of stuff. But yeah, but Steven, I guess you, we're all saying that we're all saying the three receivers, all right? Yeah, I'm just yeah. clarifying that, Stephen. You're also saying a three receiver yeah. lineup, okay? And nobody has a mecca ahead of Julian. Nothing has no. There's been nothing that indicates that's going to be the case. And then the way CJ Stroud was talking about Julian Fleming on Wednesday. Um, and it wasn't like he was you know, being he was being serious about it. He was like, y'all haven't seen the real Julian Fleming yet. And somebody else asked him, Julian, Fleming. he was like, OK, this way you're going to see. Like it was a little it wasn't the typical like, oh, yeah, he's a really good player. It was almost as if like y'all been talking crazy about Julian Fleming and y'all about to get proved wrong. Uh, nobody's been talking crazy about. No, I mean, like Fleming. that's if, if I'm if just telling you what. That, no, I know I'm that's just, wrong. Nobody. I'm nobody just telling that. you the vibe he gave off. I'm not saying that he was right or not. Yeah. Yeah. Don't shoot no, the messenger, we, man. All, talk all we've been saying, Is that what he said? Is that what he said? <laughs> you're you're interpreting his vibe. He didn't actually say that. He didn't. He didn't actually say. No, y'all he been didn't talking actually crazy say y'all been talking crazy about. So where your message is interpreting the vibe, then I'm perhaps disagreeing with your vibe interpretation. Yeah. I also think that. We've been saying pretty much what he's been saying. Like, oh, we haven't got to see the real Julian Fleming. Yeah. Well, no kidding. That's what I we've think everyone's united in that. Yeah. Years. yeah. Yeah. Tight end. I had the leader coming out of the spring as Kate Stover. I'm still going to say Kate Stover takes the season opening snap at tight end. Mark it down. Any disagreements? No. This offensive part is not going to be that interesting. <laughs> That's why I did it first. I'm saving the drama for later. Um, I think there's a, ca- I mean, there's a case for Joe Royer, right? That what is, you- I mean, if he, I mean, Kate Stover is not a pass catcher. So, and it's not like you necessarily think that, I mean, I can't think of the one guy, Notre Dame has a good edge guy, but you believe in Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones to handle their business. If you wanted to come out, with sort of like the pass catching tight end and maybe you slip him underneath on the crossing route while all the focus is on the receivers and you think that's a thing you can work on the first drive. I don't, I don't think it's impossible. We don't, we all think that like both Cade Stover and Joe Royer will play to some degree. And I guess if we think Joe Royer is going to play, will he only play as a second tight end with Cade Stover or will there be times when Joe Royer is the only tight end on the field? I think it depends on the formation. I think when they do those, when they spread them out wide with the tight end, sometimes it'll just be Joe Royer as the only tight end. But if the if there's a, only a one tight end on the field and his hand is in the dirt, it's going to be caged over. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I could see somebody else getting a little hit. Like, is he going to play literally every single snap for this offense all season? Maybe I don't know. 
like meaningful snap. Uh, Kate Stover and Joe Royer. I'd mark Kate Stover myself. You know, you know what I mean. Like even um, in the last couple of years, they've they they would you know. Um, when it was Farrell and, and Ruckert, there were times when it was just Ruckert on the field. Now, I'm not comparing Joe Royer to, to to Jeremy Ruckert. I am just saying that sometimes you have to get a guy a little bit of a little bit of breather or whatever. I also think there's a non-zero chance that Mitch Rossi is on the field for the first snap, right? If you just want to give mm-hmm. some kind of look yeah. with the offset H back kind of thing and pistol stuff. Yeah. I mean, what if your first play is you set something up with Stover and Rossi where it feels like you're running wide left with Travion Henderson. And then it's a keeper naked bootleg for CJ who comes out and takes a deep shot to Julian Fleming down the sideline on the first play. And you, you know what I mean? Like I, as much as, uh, as I think like the starters are obvious, they are going to use some guys in different ways. So they're going to have some opportunities I don't think they'll go four wide with four actual receivers, but I mean, I think Mitch Rossi is a wrinkle. I think how often they use 12 personnel is a wrinkle. Um, they won't have two backs in the backfield together, but I do think they want to try to do some of that 12 personnel stuff in different ways. And, and maybe it's on snap one, but I'll take Cade Stover as well as the one tight end. Obviously a year ago at this time, we're not quite at this time, a couple of weeks in, I mean, offensive line became the big story of the preseason other than the quarterback battle in a lot of ways you had, you know, Harry Miller was kind of here and then not here and what was going on with him. And then halfway through camp, they flipped the whole offensive line and, and, and really reshuffle how they're going to do it. So coming out of the spring, everything seemed pretty established for this year. Paris Johnson Jr. at left tackle, Donovan Jackson at left guard, Luke Whipler at center, Matt Jones at right guard, Dewan Jones at right tackle. I assume there's still something we've talked before, right? They can do something NIL wise tackles on that right end. We'll see. Um, I'm still marking down all five of those guys as the starters. Any reason to question any of that? Ryan Day marked it down at Big Ten Media Days when he just ran through the offensive line starters. So no reason to change that. Who's, yeah, who's the- I mean, there's no, we don't like there's the, the sixth person is not there to challenge. I mean, if we had done this a year ago and one of us had said, you know what? I think Dewan Jones is going to start at right tackle and they're going to move Petit Frere to the left side and they're going to slide Thayer inside. We would have been like, what are you talking about? Right. I mean, to think again, how much of a change that was. We all thought, right, that, that it was well, going to be like Matthew Jones inside and all and like they flipped three positions. I'm trying to remember, we did a future depth chart prediction at one point that was either 2022 or 23. And I had Dewan Jones as starting right tackle, but it had nothing to do with him doing anything in 2021. I thought it was like he's still a project that's coming along in 2021 and 2022 or 23. I can't remember. It was like the final year of arrival because 2023, because of the 2020 COVID year, he could still have been around for that. And uh, I was just uh, I was just ahead of things. It was definitely the 2023 season, and the reason I remember that is we didn't know he was starting in 2021, and I'm pretty sure it was the super team pod because our question was who was going to be the left tackle because Paris is not going to be here. Which, yeah, Paris is still probably not going to be here, so we still don't know who the left tackle is. I mean, didn't we say, like, the left tackle in 2023 is going to be, like, Zach Rice or whatever? Zach Rice, yeah. Oops. But we're all in agreement. You're all marking down those same five offensive line spots. This is boring. 
who is the who is so who's number six like who emerges as number six who do you think is like who's number six is like a an hour and a half podcast on a podcast on august 12th like we cannot have the who's number six offensive line conversation now i mean we're not marking it are we marking down who the sixth no. offensive lineman is no, because I oh, think right. that's very dependent too. Like, like who would be the first guy off the bench? Well, is it a tackle or, or guard oh. that they need? Like, it's we can mark down. Are they going to use like a tackle eligible guy in the first game, like they did against Minnesota when they put well, Donovan Jackson out there? But I think that was. I think some of that was they thought Donovan Jackson was especially good to do that with. I don't know if they think they have another Donovan Jackson. Oh, I know they don't have another Donovan Jackson behind Donovan you're marking, Jackson. You marking that down? Yeah, I'm marking that down. Right. That there's only one Donovan Jackson on this roster. 100% certainty. <laughs> Fair. We're going to take a break. I think things are more interesting on defense. We're going to come back and talk about that here on Buckeye Talk. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are picking, marking down all 22 positions for Ohio State on opening night. Let's talk about defense. Defensive end. Two spots, but it's not quite that cut and dry, depending on what Jim Knowles does with this Leo Jack position, whatever. Coming out of the spring, I had Zach Harrison and JT Tuimaloao as the opening night starters. Anybody questioning that? That is also my pick. And I'm not going to get too wrapped up in Leo stuff or whatever. And who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. like, it is what it is. It's important for the defense, but. We have to be able to, we have to have that conversation the right way. And like getting caught up in it here is, is not it. Um, I just well, think they'll lean. I mean, unless you have some giant explanation of why you're almost sure they'll come out with a Leo guy moving around on the first snap and Sawyer's the best guy to do that. And that's why, I mean, I guess you could have that conversation, but we haven't really seen it. We haven't, we don't really, I, we don't have a sense of it. And so an uneducated Leo conversation is not very interesting. It's something we need to ask about and get a sense of. Uh, we might have, you know, if we get to watch a full practice or a couple different decent periods in practice, we might get a sense. And what if like Jack Sawyer's, what if they break off the Leos and they're in a different group in yeah. practice sometime? Like we'll get a sense. We don't have it now, though. They were in the spring. They weren't necessarily in a different group, but they would do some stuff when the Leos and Jacks would be with the back seven people when they were doing some shell stuff while the defensive line were off doing other things. And it was Mitchell Mountain and Jack Sawyer down there with the Leos doing back seven stuff. So we have seen a little bit of it, Uh, but yeah, part of this is Larry Johnson leans old to start off things, Mm -hmm. especially at the beginning of the season. And Zach Harrison's the oldest guy in terms of experience along with, he's actually really good. So it makes sense why you would pick him over Jack Sawyer. If you're gonna and if you're gonna go with one of the two second year guys, you're gonna pick JT. I mean, if Ohio State came out and played just a conventional four man front, a Larry Johnson four man front, two normal defensive ends for the first series, I'm not gonna be shocked in any way. Mm-hmm. I think we even saw some evidence of that in the spring that it wasn't like and now they were installing things. It was a gradual install. They weren't trying to throw too much at them. I think positionally, 
early on as they were setting a foundation and they set their foundation with the conventional four man front. But I'm, I'm very intrigued by that in the preseason. We'll get to see them some in the preseason. And I think that will be among the things that people are, are have their binoculars trained on the most is when we get to see them do 11 on 11 stuff, what does that second edge guy look like? Yeah. You're marking down the same two guys, Steven. Yes. Defensive tackle. This is where it's interesting. Coming out of the spring, I said, again, leaning veteran, as you said it, Stephen. I leaned Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage, where I guess Cage would be the nose of those two guys. But Vincent's played nose, but we're getting a little semantic with that. Uh, Those are probably, I think, still, again, based on the Larry Johnson past. (laughs) uh, I'm going to also take those two guys to be the opening night starters. Who do you guys have? I'm going to mark down Cage and Vincent, but this is almost a, and yes, he leans old, but if Talik Williams or especially Talik Williams more than my call, if he's just killing guys for a month, I could see him starting over Teron Vincent, even if I'm not quite comfortable marking it down right now. And also they might not lead the team in snaps in this game, but they yeah. might mm-hmm. be up there mm-hmm. first. I think at another point, I, I, I like, now that we have the PFF stuff readily available to us to look at some of the rotations that we expect and look at some of the numbers from last year, knowing they're going to rotate at linebacker. Probably they'll rotate at defensive tackle, try to get some over under snap counts on some guys. And so when we have a conversation of, you know, who do you think will be the top two defensive tackles and snap counts this year? I don't know that these two guys would be our answers, but I think we all agree. I agree mm-hmm. with you guys that these two guys, I think will be on the field for the first snap against Notre Dame. Well, as Ryan day was putting out that top 10 expectation for this defense, the hallmark that he kept coming back to is that stopping the run was crucial. And I think to do, to emphasize that you put the two guys who you think are probably your two best run stoppers on the field to start this game at least guys from opening day. And I think that's where you're going to lean veteran. You're going to lean size and uh, the Tyreek Williams, Ty Hamilton, some of the things that they do, Mike Hall. I mean, th- those guys are obviously coming along and could maybe be, uh, maybe those three guys lead them in snaps. Like you're saying, Doug, by the end of the season, I just think maybe they to start this season and, and to make the statement that they want to on defense, you are probably looking at run clog guys to get this thing started. Yeah, but also, but like, why do we think they're the best run stoppers? Cause they're bigger. Like what would lead us, like what makes us think that? What makes us think that Mike Hall might not be the best run stopper on the team? Like I don't I don't disagree I, with just, the idea of stop the run, but you know, I don't th- think that they were all part of these guys were playing defensive tackle last year when they couldn't stop the run against Oregon yeah, and Michigan. So that's, I, I don't know. That's I don't think fair. Any, go ahead. I would just say that's fair. It I'm just I'm also partially going by those were the guys that they were choosing to put on the field ahead of those guys most of the time last year too in run stop situations when they were true freshmen and my call i literally just got here like three months before the season started i i don't think it has anything to do with who's actually better i just think coaches tend to lean on the guys they trust and those they tend to trust the guys who have been here longer even if that's not always the right decision i mean i'll be very curious to see who plays the most against wisconsin in week four when these guys have gotten some feet under their feet under them and they're facing one of the five best running backs in the country, then we'll have a much, then we'll have a real indication of who they really think is best at that. Cause I get it. It's one of those things. Coaches have to say, you have to stop in the run and it's staring Ohio state in the face. Cause in the two right. games they lost, they didn't do that. 
but you also can't let people throw all over you. You have to get a pass rush. Like, I mean, it's not, it's sure. a modern game. I mean, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not a run first game for the best teams. It's not, but Ohio state was so bad at it last year. They got gashed and that's why they lost the two games they lost. So I think this is just, we all know Larry Johnson respects veterans and plays them early, but I am super interested in what the tackle rotation is by week four. Yeah. I mean, even though, even opening night, I mean, that's Notre Dame's got a legitimate offensive line. I think this is going to be a, a, an interesting challenge for this defensive front. And I agree with Steven's concept here that I, I imagine that they lean veteran to start things off. We're also talking about who's out there for the opening snap, as opposed to who's out there for, even the third down snap on the opening series. Right. Weak side line, Will linebacker. Steel Chambers is the you know, returning season end starter. That is who I marked down or projected coming out of the spring as the starter. I would still mark Steel Chambers down as this team's starting Will linebacker on opening night. Anyone else want to propose a strong candidate? I mean, Ryan Day was specifically asked about this also, right? If the top yes. two linebackers were Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. And he was like, mm-hmm. yeah. And then he threw Cody Simon in there. So that was just a head coach off the top of his head. But it felt like those three guys were separating themselves maybe a little bit. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, at other points, he also said the names Chip Trainum and CJ Hicks. No to Roger Mitchell, though. I did hear, I definitely heard Chip Trainum and, and Hicks. Uh, you're right. You know, Mitchell's name didn't come up. I think he'll just be in the depth mix there. But um, the way Chambers ended last year, and again, Doug, your point is taken that the point I made early on, it's like, well, all these guys are back, but they, it wasn't a good enough performance last year. What does that mean? How do you balance that out? But he would definitely seem to guy, be the guy at this position, especially who has the inside track. So we're all marking him down as the starting will linebacker. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Mike linebacker is the first place where I'm going to change based on what I projected in the spring in the spring. I projected Tommy Eichenberg coming out of the spring would be the starting Mike linebacker on opening night. I'm now going to do my best Steven means impression. I'm going to change that to Cody Simon. Mm-hmm. Who are you guys marking down Why? to start at my Why? Why? Uh, because of what we saw last year that, uh, you know, Tommy Eichenberg, I know that he impressed in the Rose Bowl with a bunch of tackles. You mentioned PFF. You go look at his PFF grade for that game. It's actually not that great. Um, I don't know how much you want to put stock in that, but, you know, just accumulating tackles is not the only way to, to gauge a performance. And we did this last year. Tommy Eichenberg was the starting linebacker, was the first linebacker on the field to start last year. And then they decided that Cody Simon was the one who should be out there more and became the starter at Mike linebacker. And Jim Knowles this spring, I thought was very reticent to talk about guys before he really saw them. There were guys who were practicing and guys who weren't. And early on in the spring, Josh Proctor, for instance, wasn't practicing. And Jim Knowles wasn't really talking about Josh Proctor. It was kind of like, yeah, he looked good on film. I'm eager to finally get to see him. And then when he did later on, spoke about him, I thought, differently and more positively and made his position uh, on this team more realistic. And Jim Knowles didn't get to see Cody Simon in the spring. If Cody Simon is healthy and and Ryan Day talked as if he will be and back for the uh, for the preseason without limitations, then I think he 
proves himself to be the starter for opening day. I'll take Eichenberg just because sometimes they talk about him like they can't live without him. Yeah. So, and I think Notre Dame is enough of a heavy offensive team that um, you can have Eichenberg out there. And it doesn't mean I don't think Cody Simon will play, but I think I think it sometimes it seems like they view like Tommy Eichenberg was like the captain of the offseason. And then sometimes you get the first snap of the season. Tommy Arkenberg is getting the tough Borland treatment very hard right now because Jim Knowles just got here. And from the first time he got asked about the linebackers, he's been really high on Tommy Eichenberg and Ronnie Hickman from like day one. So even if he doesn't play more snaps than Cody Simon in that Notre Dame game, I think he starts. Well, one way he didn't get the the Tommy, the, uh, tough Moreland treatment was when he was a starter last year and then he took his job away as I was just describing like mm. again as much as they feel like they can't live without him they did for a big portion of last year and if Cody Simon had been healthy for the Rose Bowl Tommy Eichenberg wouldn't have had 400 tackles so I hear what you guys are saying and That's I true. think it's, it's very likely that you guys are, end up being correct but I'm taking my hunch here that Cody Simon emerges and wins that job should we be talking at all about CJ Hicks right now as being a real contender to start it either of these linebacker positions. This almost would have been like, we should mark down who we think is a starter. And then like, do you think that's the starter by the end of the season? But no, not week one. I don't think he's a starter, but I do think we might start seeing some gradual playing time. After, in the two weeks that come after that, because they're little non-consequential games. I put a text out to our subscribers, 614-350-3315. I put out, I guess four options as to what's the most crucial position battle in Ohio State's preseason camp, and not all of them were starting battles. And then I had another option, and there were a couple people who threw out C.J. Hicks for Mike Linebacker, but I agree with you guys that that's – I think that's just getting ahead of things at this point. I think he's a much more intriguing – does he come along over the course of a year and and push through and, like, show everybody, like, that linebacker play that you guys have been looking for out of this group for a couple years, here it is. Well, it's Steel Chambers did it last year. Steel Chambers was barely a linebacker when the season started. And by yeah. the end of the year, he was playing more than anybody. I, no, none of us at this time a year ago would have predicted that Steel Chambers would be a starting linebacker by the end of the year. And so if a guy who had mm-hmm. not played much linebacker can do it, then maybe a true freshman who has played a lot of linebacker in his life. And I know Steel Chambers mm-hmm. was a linebacker in high school as well. I think, you know, I don't think CJ Hicks getting more playing time over the course of the year is all that different than steel chambers getting more playing time over the course of the season a year ago. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not talking about playing time though. I think that's an important distinction. I I think there's a difference between pushing through to the top of a depth chart that had depth chart problems last year and pushing through to kind of announce yourself as a defensive presence. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think I'm talking more about, I'm talking more about like CJ Hicks shows up and is, he, you know, starts to become a star. I don't know that Steel Chambers did that last year. I think it, he pushed through and and gave them a little bit more stability, a position where they really needed it. He was playing like more snaps than any other linebacker by the end of the year, right? They didn't have any good linebackers. Oh, okay. no, no, no. But do, I, I, but I, do I, they no, have no, any no. good linebackers now? No, no, no. I think I think what I think I understand what Nathan is saying. I understand what Nathan is saying. Steel Chambers doing it, it's just because he was the best option they had of a lot of bad options. If CJ Hicks does it, he might be a, a dude from the moment he gets on the field. Right. He's just saying that if, if CJ Hicks gets on the field and pushes through all of this, 
his ceiling is a lot higher for what he's going to be capable of being versus well, still Chambers, I which mean, is obvious. Yeah. But like the question, like, but like, I don't know what your point is. You think CJ Hicks at his, at his best is better than steel chambers. The question is, is he going to be able to play a lot as a true freshman? And I'm saying, well, they played a guy a lot last year who didn't have much experience. So he's got to play. Listen, Ryan Shazier was ready to be a star. And they won't play him. They won't play him as a freshman. So you, you have to play before you can be a star. I don't think it's a guarantee that, that he gets a ton of snaps because they might just, we don't know. I don't know if we have a sense of what Knowles is going to do with veterans versus young guys and that kind of thing. He has the most talent of anybody in the room. And I think when he has a chance to show it, he'll show it, but we have to have a snap conversation first. So like, what, what is your, like, do you think by the end of the year, CJ Hicks is going to be playing a lot? No, I wasn't even making a prediction there. What I was saying was that if if he if by the end of the year he's the guy with the ceiling that could change this defense as early as this year, I think. To answer your question, yes, I think by the end of this year he's playing a lot. But also, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't play a single snap against Notre Dame. No, I, I didn't. It, I think it's fair to also bring up that not a lot of like buzz about him in the spring, right? I mean, some, but not like not the way I mean, we're he, hearing about some other players. I mean, no, he didn't lose his black stripe and stuff, but like, Jim Knowles just flat out got asked about him and Gabe Powers, and he gave like the basic, you know, he's learning, you know, natural answer that you give about a freshman while he got very specific about TJ Hicks's talent. So that's fine. Denzel Burke really didn't blow up like that until fall camp e- either. So we could get to the first well, week of fall. Not I thought really. Denzel Burke was flashing in, in spring. He was the first guy to lose his uh, black stripe in fall camp. Marvin Harrison, Travion Henderson, Jack Sawyer, and I think Emeka Buka lost their black stripes in the spring. So that's what I'm saying. He might, we might get to the first week of fall camp and like the CJ Hicks show is on. But people weren't talking about Denzel in the spring a year ago. They only started no, talking was, about him in August. I thought they talked no. about him in a different way than maybe CJ Hicks got talked about. I think, it, I think it was, yeah, but also I think part of it was, yeah, Seven Banks is not practicing and Cam Brown is hurt. And so a lot of these young guys are getting reps. And of these young guys like Lathan Ransom and Ryan Watts, not Lathan Ransom, um, Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts and Denzel Burke, he was just the guy shining the most. It wasn't yeah. the same kind of situation where like all the starters are also practicing, but this true freshman is showing up all of them. There were some good linebackers. There were some linebackers missing this spring too that, that some of the guys we've even talked about at, at times. But no, Doug, you're right. that, that We definitely heard Denzel Burke's name over the loudspeaker a few times last spring and that that led into some of that breakthrough in the fall we're gonna take a break here we're gonna come back and talk about denzel burke and the secondary when we come back here on buckeye talk doug before we get to the secondary you wanted to talk about linebacker snaps steel chambers snaps by game last year minnesota nine oregon nine tulsa 17 akron when they played backups he played 32 rutgers 11 so the first five games of the season, he's not playing starter snaps, nothing close to it. Maryland, 39, Indiana, 22, Penn State, 22, Nebraska, 36. Then the last four games, Purdue, 52, Michigan State, 53, Michigan, 60, Utah, 61. So that's what I'm talking about with C.J. Hicks. Could you see that kind of progression where he goes from first third of the season, basically nothing that matters middle third of the season in the mix last third of the season, like playing 80% of the snaps. That's regardless of like how good, like 
How good are you? Yes. Are you good enough to play more? Good enough to play ahead of other guys? Could we see that kind of CJ Hicks progression? Yes, I think I think we could. And yes, if the point is maybe that Steel Chambers was a little more a case of who else are you going to play, and CJ Hicks is a little more demanding to play. Yeah, I probably would agree with that. But I think that snap progression comparison yeah. is what I'm most interested in. I, as as often happens when we argue on this podcast, we're actually really not that far apart in what we're trying to say. I think I agree with what you're saying. I just think it is that latter that the latter thing is what I was kind of trying to visualize. There was that instead of just like getting the job by default, not the steel chambers didn't, you know, step up when asked to, but that it might be, a, yeah, he might be just forcing Hicks might just be forcing his way in and saying, I have to be on the field for this team. And steel chambers played 60 snaps against Michigan with like a really bad grade. So yeah, again, yes, this is you're this playing is, doesn't mean you're an all American. This is our concern, dude. Talking about the secondary now coming out of the spring. I think this is another one where I'm going to change what I had suggested in the spring. I had the starters as Denzel Burke and Cam Brown coming out of the spring. And I know we've talked about leaning old, but I think here they might lean impact. I'm going to change to Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock as the opening night starters. I'll stay with Cam Brown. I'll stay with Burke and Cam Brown and Maybe that doesn't last very long. Maybe Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson play a lot against Notre Dame. But I just think if Cam Brown gets through camp healthy, that they stick with the veterans. So I'll go Burke and Brown. Cam Brown's going to start, but Jordan Hancock's going to play more snaps in in that game. That's my side. Mark it down. I'm not, I'm not, doing all, I'm not keeping track of all your side bets. 22 positions That's is fine. enough. You, you're, you're rolling a lot of you're, <laughs> you're the guy at this craps table who's like putting yeah. weird stuff on the on yeah. the on the yo and the, the all the hard ways. And, and uh, we're just Doug and I are just sort of, you know, playing the pass line here. I go hard to go home, man. The, the basic 22 spots. We still, I think still this don't is, really know how to play craps, though. I still don't really know how to play craps. There's too much happening. How about OK, here's here's a plan. Get um get a couple hundred bucks together. So take a year. You, you and I will go to the casino. I'll teach you how to play craps. Could we expense it if we talk about it on Buckeye Talk? I don't see why not. I mean, I'm not a, an accountant. I'll show you how to play. You play craps? Stephen Means plays yeah. craps? Yeah. I'll show you. What's What's your strategy? What's your? You got a system? <laughs> no. My system with this one's going to be Doug that know how to play. <laughs> Well, you're not the house. You're not the. You're yeah. not. You're not. You're not. It's you got like, bet against the casino. You can't. That's that's a great thing about craps is it's the most communal like party game is. at the casino. It's yeah, it's which is why, blast. yeah, which is why you don't have to go to the casino to learn how to play it. But can't you get? Can't you get sucked into like getting all your money on the table and then crapping out? Yes. And like there goes eight bets. Well, again, the there's there's a a conservative yet fun way to play the the game. I would argue. Okay. I would if you if people out there who love craps, there's a great podcast called You Can Bet on That, and it's the just game like two craps. Guys. The game craps. Fuck <laughs> I talk. There's just it's just a couple guys who are like casual gamblers, and they're from California, and their big game is craps, and they talk a lot about craps. It's a it's a fun podcast. I we still think though this is a this is a okay. Those are the two starters we're, we're marking down, but this is still a three four man solution as we see it going into the 
preseason that Ohio State maybe for the first time in a couple of years is enthusiastic about four deep at the boundary corner spots. Yeah, it might not. And if it's three, it might just be two on, one off type of situation. And if it's four, I don't know, they find a different way to rotate it. But yes, at bare minimum, three of these guys are going to play. You know, if J.K. Johnson has to be the guy to wait a year, then he just waits a year. Unless Cameron Brown can't make it through the season. And so then it's just the three sophomores. And again, we nobody would have gotten this right a year ago. Not a when single person. When they're starting corners no. for what? Ryan Watts and Denzel Burke, right? Nope. Those are yes. the guys that took the field in the opener against Minnesota. So and Burke and Brown, I don't even, I can't remember if either one of them were even there. I mean, uh, Brown and no. uh, Banks. Seven Banks yeah. was there and he was dressed and we That's were all right. confused why you're That's dressed right. and just not That's playing right. at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it became one. like a, why are you not on the unavailability report, but every week you don't play. That's, that's a whole fiasco. I don't think it's called the unavailability report, though. That's like the whole fair poll, foul poll argument. Should it be the availability report or the unavailability report? Oh, yeah. It really should be yeah. the unavailability yeah. report. Yeah. Because you're not telling us who's available. You're telling us who's not. Yeah. It's like, can you imagine? Uh, we're here with the availability report. CJ Stroud, <laughs> Travion Henderson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. There's nothing wrong with them. They'll play. That would create more work for us because then you got to mine through it and see who's not actually on the list. Yeah, Jerry, how many guys are on the availability report this week? Ninety-four. Oh, so there's like when it's like when you get the travel roster at the away games, you have to like go line by line and like hope you Mm. didn't miss the fourth string defensive tackle, so you get a little headline out of it. Uh, I I, Burke, Hancock, Brown, I think some combination of those three, and then I would think that J.K. Johnson is the fourth guy, and if he's not a huge part of the solution on opening night. I think he could develop into a bigger role over the course of the season. He did just, even though Hancock didn't have a big role last year, Johnson was hurt for most of last year. And mm-hmm. I don't know if, if that has him just like a half step behind in the, in the, in the, the, the battle to be a, a, a guy that they count on at that spot. But I don't, it doesn't sound like he's far away. I mean, this, these Hancock Brown is an interesting test of the thing that we talk about. Everybody talks about fans love to talk about is this, talent versus loyalty it's not that the old guy's not talented but maybe the young guy's a little more talented and the ruthlessness and sitting guys down and i I think hancock brown if brown is healthy might be the best test of that the most direct test of that you know zach harrison a little bit but like zach harrison and jack sawyer and jt they're all gonna play and it's like but this could be because even if it's a rotation it might be two-thirds one-third whatever like who if if jordan like the possibility that Jordan Hancock just makes a case, you cannot keep me off the field. You can't keep me off the field. And somebody has to say, Cam Brown is a great Buckeye. We cannot keep Jordan Hancock off the field. That's out there. But also Cam Brown is healthy and looks great and they love him and he stayed. And that wins the day is also like, I think that's where Steven and I are leaning. Yeah. But maybe Hancock takes the decision out of everybody's hands because he's too good. It's definitely interesting because it's it's new head co- assistant coaches, so they actually don't have any loyalty to Cam Brown. Like, you know, Kerry Combs recruited him, even if he left him the first you know, two years of his career here. He recruited him, so there was a little bit of loyalty. Tim Walton just met all these guys eight months ago. And I came away really impressed with Cam Brown last year, as much for his uh, just resiliency and gumption or however you want to say it as I was about his play I thought he played pretty solid too I just think that the thing that they have been sort of starved for at corner has been like difference making play and is Cam Brown like a really solid guy for you or 
or is he more? And if he's not more, do you gamble on Hancock? It, it, you're right, Doug. It's it's a, it's a debate we have all the time, and it's it's never going to end. We'll be having the same debate about somebody else at some other position a year from now. If Tanner McAllister was not on this roster, do you think nickel safety would be a really intriguing position battle to start the year? Because I think he's got that locked as to open there to start the year. Not really, uh, yeah. But but if because if Tanner McAllister wasn't here, would it who would be competing with Cam Martinez? If because they kind of Ryan Day kind of said Lathan Ransom's playing the deep right. safeties, so yeah, I mean, legend of Cavazos might still be here, but I don't think he'd be competing. Or Cam Brown was a nickel corner in 2020 before he t- tore his Achilles. I, I so thought like, about that. Um, you know, we've also like we've questioned like it seems like Court Williams is going to be one of the two deep guys who questioned whether he's someone that they would think about moving up into the box, but that doesn't really seem like where they're inclined to go just in terms of body type, skill, whatever. So I'm marking down Tanner McAllister to start on opening night. Yeah, me too. You know, it feels like Cam Martinez is second up there. You know, if they really felt like without Tanner McAllister that Josh Proctor, Ronnie Hickman, and Court Williams were their three best safeties, and that means someone's got to be the nickel safety. I, I don't know what they would do. You know, we've had conversations here. Would Proctor make sense there? You know, would would Williams make sense there? But Tanner McAllister kind of took that away. And and you can see how the Cam Martinez skill set, you know, lateral quickness and some of that stuff in that position makes sense there too. But Tanner McAllister came here to start, and Jim Knowles loves him. The other two safety spots, Bandit and Adjuster. I think adjuster is such a terrible name. I can't believe that's the name that they have. Why can't we just call things strong safety and free safety? I, I don't know. Because like, you're not paid $2 million to come up with names for these positions. They're not paid $2 million, paid I mean, $2 million to develop the positions. I don't really care what they're called. Adjuster is like legends and leaders. I mean, it's it's really, yeah. it's like adjuster is, it's like, why is that? Well, because he adjusts to the, it's like, for real? Like in the, in the world of bandits and rovers and stars and Leos bullets. and jacks and bullets, like adjuster, because it's got a J in it. Oh my God. A, a oh. D J, a D and a J right next to each other in a word is a, automatically a bad place to start. Shout out to DJ. Adjuster, adjuster. I don't. Adjunct professor. It's it's really it's just. Can you imagine if they call the adjunct safety is the only thing to be worse than the adjuster <laughs> safety? What's the adjunct safety? Well, he's like kind of like a safety, but not really. He's working up to it. He's a part time safety. Oh he's my god, the adjunct he's a substitute safety. safety. <laughs> it's like, what does that position do, Jim? Well, he like adjudicates what's happening <laughs> adjudic- with the offense in front of him. The adjudicator, the adjunct, and the adjuster. Those are, if those were the three, we have three safety spots, the adjunct, the adjudicator, and the adjuster. And it's like, oh, my God, what is it? Who is what? Well, I think Cam Martinez really fits as an adjunct. I'm not sure he's an adjudicator. I think he could move to adjuster if we needed him to. But we're going to start him at adjunct. Well, maybe Ronnie Hickman will have such an awesome year that Jim Knowles is like, you know what? Forget my nerdy names. We're calling that the rocket from now on. It's the, it's uh, the rocket safety. But why wouldn't you do that? Like why? What if the what if Ohio State called the 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 Will linebacker the Hawk? It's like why? Well, why don't you call it the Hawk? Because it sounds cool as heck, and it's named for AJ Hawk. I mean, who would not be here for this stuff? Every position on the defense, 
should be named after a former great. It's like, oh, who's playing Chase End? Oh, is that you playing Chase End? Oh, yeah. No, I'm playing Chase End. Are you playing what? Hayward End? I'm playing not even, Hayward End. Not even Chase End. This The Chase. The Chase. That That's that's tricky, though, because then a guy who like. Kind of is in the is in the neighborhood to get sacks, but then doesn't get him. Then it, then the joke becomes like, well, yeah, he's, he's chasing. He just chases still, guys, but doesn't tackle him. Yeah, he's still chasing. He just never catches. Yeah, can you, are you playing? What corner spot you playing? I'm playing Ward corner. Oh, you're playing Ward corner. Okay, cool. Ward and Lattimore corners would. Yeah, you're playing Ward corner, Lattimore corner. What what's your deep safety called? The hooker. Oh, okay. What a great hooker you are. That might be, <laughs> that might be problematic as well. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing. Saying, I'm hearing. It's cool, hearing though. It's cool. It sounds fun. I don't know. It's, it sounds fun until, <laughs> until you're it, the one they're calling a hooker. Who, it's like, oh, who's the guy? Who's the guy who stands behind the, the quarterback and they hand him the ball? That's the Zeke back. Um, the Zeke back. Our starting Zeke back is Trayvon Henderson. Or this is starting Zeke. That makes as much sense as Bullet. It'd be a cool way to motivate guys because if you were good enough, you could replace somebody's name. Yeah. It's like right now it's the Justin. Yeah. But if Stroud wins the Heisman and wins a national championship, it's called the CJ. Yeah. What do you call that spot? That guy who lines up kind of like between the right tackle and the other receiver kind of in the middle there. That's the Jackson or the Jacks. That's the Jacks receiver. Let's just do this. Let's come up. Now we have to come up. Well, 22 I, names for all the positions based on Ohio State greats. You know, they've started the, you know, the block. Oh, these traditions come along. I think it would be an interesting tradition that like, did you perform so well that we deserve to like give your, your position name? Like you can take the position name away from someone. It's almost better than yeah. the Buckeye tree. Yeah, oh, yeah. You have, to, is, you have yeah. to like be told about the Buckeye tree. They're going to say your name every Saturday. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they, you know, it, the, the, the young, the young end, I still chase end. It sounds weird to me, but the young the chase end, and the Bosa, actually, that's kind of weird too. Yeah. The Bosa. Yeah. You could actually just go with the Bosa, like the Bosa, like they're, there's, they've been calling it the Bosa for 31 years at Ohio state. Yeah. The other 10 positions have changed names 65 yeah. times each, but it's still just the Bosa. And, and well, then they, you could have like, you'd have like a panel of former players that would like vote, like whether the, the, the name should be changed over to the last yeah. guy who was there. And then you, then we can write a headline if a, a guy's name has been at the name of a position for 30 years. And this is how long it's been since they've had a great guy here because this guy's held the name for 30 years. Let's let's write let's write this down. This sounds like a this sounds like a next May podcast. Just this, name each Ohio State yeah. position. OK, but the task at hand, uh, I marked down or I predicted, I should say, Josh Proctor, at Bandit, Ronnie Hickman at Adjuster. And I'm, I'm sticking by that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. How much do we think as training camp starts? How much do we think Court Williams plays? I feel like I've had a terrible handle on Court Williams. And I, and, and like, I think the result of the spring is early on when I was very excited about Court Williams and other people were excited about Court Williams, Josh Proctor wasn't really there. And then at the end of the spring, when people were really excited about Josh Proctor, Court Williams kind of wasn't there. And so what does it look like when, Fully healthy Josh Proctor and fully healthy Court Williams are both there in the mix, balling out at practice every day. What does that look like? What does that? What is that conversation? Is it clearly a one and a two? Is it clearly 
Hickman and Proctor have to be on the field almost all the time. And that's just the way it is. Or is it like, man, Court Williams can do some stuff and not that it's situational, but that there's a rotation of some kind. I, I don't have a handle on that anymore. I I've, I think I probably got too wound up about Court Williams in the moment because, and I think Nathan, you make a really good point. When Jim Knowles sees you, he can evaluate you and he can talk about you and his evaluation of Court Williams happened in the Proctor vacuum. And then once Proctor came back in the mix and court was kind of hurt at the end of the year, like the, the way things were talked about just changed. And so I don't, I don't have a good read on it right now. There are too many people in that 2020 recruiting class where I just don't know if you tell me they're going to have a really good year. I don't know what that means. I can't even visualize what it looks like. Like what does Pete court Williams look like as a bandit? Is he like a hard hit? Like, I know what Josh Proctor looks like if he hits. He's playmaking. He's getting picks. He's making hard hits. I don't really know what court Williams, is. he getting hard hits? Is he getting picks? Is he, you know, stopping the run? Like, I don't know what, if he excels in this role, I don't know what it looks like. And you can say the same thing kind of about Lathan Ransom, too, because he's now playing the position he was supposed to be playing in the beginning. You can say it about Cam Martinez on offense. You can say it about Julian Fleming. It's just too many people from that class where it's like, I think they're good, but I don't really know what they're good at. The hard thing for me is that in my head, and maybe it's just the Utah play, like what court was. Well, no, when he came up and like made the tackle on third down, like they kind of cut the guy like in behind the line of scrimmage kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that to me is court Williams that like maybe out in space a little bit, but on the attack sniffing stuff out and making plays. I don't, if he's a deep safety, how is he going to be able to do that all that often? I don't, and that's, that's why I'm just in my head still. And we've got to see it like in my head, I'm generally more interested in court Williams being closer to the line of scrimmage. So, cause then I feel like I do have a sense of what that looks like, but I, I don't have a sense of what it's like if he's 12 yards deep at the snap. So, but it's and that's what it sounds like they're going to do. Do we think Lathan Ransom is the backup adjuster? Because you, that vacuum you were talking about before, like Kai Stokes had a great spring in a Lathan Ransom vacuum. But yeah, but that one's a little different because that's not where Lathan was. So it's not as much of a vacuum. Lathan's well, it's where we think he would have been in the spring probably, right? Yeah, I know, but it's, it's right. But because he hasn't done it at, all, at least like, you know, Josh Proctor was at least around and at least to some extent played safety at Ohio State before. And that and as a deep safety, Lathan's never done that before. And it's new coaches and all. he's actually going to have to do some catching up. You might be right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's I think there's good options. And listen, they're the coaches. Mm-hmm. I get it. If you just if you gave me these six safeties, Tanner McAllister, Cam Martinez, Josh Proctor, Ronnie Hickman, Court Williams and Lathan Ransom and and put them in a Yahtzee cup and rolled them, rolled the dice. I don't think I would have those six guys. If I was putting two at each position, I don't think I would have the lineup that they have. <laughs> like that's, I think I might have this safety here and this guy over here and this guy there and over here. And now it makes a little more sense to me. And that's, that's not where they are. And they've, but they have multiple guys. Proctor's played multiple roles. Cam Martinez has played multiple roles. Right. Court Williams has kind of been. And so they've tried stuff and then they've moved. So I don't know. 
does that make us think, well, they've tried guys at different positions and that means they know where they fit best and they're locked in? Or does it mean they'll maybe keep trying stuff and maybe we will wind up with safeties in slightly different spots than we think right now? I Again, I, I don't. The point is not what I think. The point is what we think they're going to do. And I've been too wrong, like in this safety discussion so far. I think the bandit and the adjuster, that's maybe the case because it is kind of the safety version of the Mike and Will linebacker where they're kind of interchangeable. One just is giving the directions and one's not, but the jobs are pretty similar. So maybe we see like a rotation with the guys who are back there where you can play either spot. They're just going to throw guys out there. But I think the nickel is, I mean, you're a slot corner. So there's like specific guys who are going to put like Tanner McAllister and Cameron Martinez is going to play that. I don't necessarily, I don't see them being able to play the other two spots. Like I do thinking Josh Proctor could be the adjuster and he could be out there with Lathan Ransom or he could be out there with Court Williams or he could be out there with Ronnie Hickman. I asked our tech subscribers, which is the most crucial position battle in Ohio State's preseason camp? These were the options I gave them. Mayan Williams versus Evan Pryor for number two running back, which we didn't talk about here that much. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg versus Cody Simon for starting middle linebacker. Six guys, Cage, Hall, Hamilton, McKenzie, Vincent, Williams for two defensive tackle spots. Julian Fleming versus Emeka Ibuka at Z receiver or other. I let them write in one if they chose. I will tell you guys that at four o'clock on the dot, I looked at the answers and it was exactly tied. The top two were exactly tied, like to the number, to the vote. But one of them has pulled ahead to be the most crucial position battle in Ohio State's preseason camp. Who do you guys think our texters voted for? Simon Eichenberg. Yeah. You're correct. 47% for Tommy Eichenberg versus Cody Simon for starting middle linebacker. Who do you think was the one that they were up against so tight? Evan Pryor, Mayan Williams. Um, that sounds right. Yeah, it was actually that defensive tackle one. They had 42% went to that. And then, so that's 89% of the vote went to those mm. two. And then a smattering of votes for everything else. I would definitely say linebacker over that just because that is going to be such a rotation. I don't know how critical it is, which two, but I think some of that might be people who are like, why are you putting people in front of Tyleek Williams? Why are you putting people in front of these young tackles? Yeah. And maybe that's what I think the texts are saying that like, that could be the position where they're like, why aren't these young guys getting more snaps? But I think that's the important thing to remember to to for people as they watch this team is like who actually gets the snaps, not who gets the start. I think both Fleming and Ibuka will play. I think all six defensive tackles will play similar amounts. And I think it's possible that with Eichenberg and Simon Knowles, maybe just finds a guy that he really likes at the mic. And that guy just plays a lot because Knowles trusts him. And then maybe there's not as much room for the second guy. I think that's possible. And I just thought maybe that, you know, Evan, you know, Ryan Day kind of was asked about it and talked about it. And, you know, again, we talk about it a lot like this Evan Pryor role that's like a third down back and you're throwing to him. And someone said, do you have to establish him as a running back before you can do that? And then my question is, when has Ohio State ever had like a third down back? Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, You're going to take no. Trayvon Henderson off the field on third down to throw a pass to I don't under- to throw yeah, a pass I don't- to Trayvon Henderson. Like, I don't understand this like concept that there seems to be out there that there's like a Curtis Samuel element. And he might yeah. have that talent, but the, they use Curtis Samuel like that because they had no other choice. He was than the to use Curtis Samuel like that. Offensive player on that team. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and Evan Pryor might have that exact same skill set, but that doesn't mean you have to use it all the but time. I, but I do think if my bet is Travion Henderson does not start the fourth series against Notre Dame. Whatever, right. If I, if I make a bet yeah. like that third or fourth series, I would bet yeah. that. So then who's out there. Actually, I think that's a big deal. Is it Mayan Williams or is it Evan Pryor? That actually seems rather important to me because they, they kind of, they played all three guys last year. The whole rotation changed in the first two weeks because they were playing Mayan Williams and master Teague and Trevor Henderson. And then mm-hmm. by like week three, it was all, but I don't think they're going to play three backs but I actually think the second back is going to play. So the difference between Mayan Williams and Evan Pryor, I think has a chance to be the difference between 10 carries a game and no carries a game, which to me is seems really important, which is my, why my order would be Mike linebacker one running back two. And then the other two kind of, do, it doesn't matter because they're all going to play. And to be honest with you, I don't even think it's so much of who comes out there the first time Travion Henderson isn't on the field. It's more who comes out there the second time, because if it's Evan Pryor both times and it's just like he's this backup running back. But if they're trying to find ways to get all three of these running backs on the field and it's just like Trevion Henderson for three series and then it's either Evan Pryor or Mayan Williams and then Trevion Henderson for three series and then Evan Pryor or Mayan Williams the entire time. That's how they get all three of those guys to play. That's both of those are interesting. Does one guy just establish himself with the number two back or did they just kind of whoever's rolling as a number two back gets the snap snaps that week? Or that whenever their time is up. The third highest vote getter from their textures actually was the other option. And some of the ones they threw out was cornerback, the corner opposite Denzel Burke, as our past defense was terrible mm. last year. Uh, Cam Brown versus Hancock versus Johnson for CB2. I already said there were a couple of people voting CJ Hicks at middle linebacker. Um, a, a couple interesting ones. Uh, Ryan Day versus Jim Knowles. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Uh, I guess the battles in practice could be what they're saying there. Like, are they challenging? How are they challenging each other? And, you know, iron versus iron, whatever. Um, uh, here's one that hits a little close to home. Uh, the battle between Josh Proctor's reality and Josh Proctor's expectations as set by three guys with a great podcast who feel he is first team All-American despite pretty mediocre performance thus far. So I don't think is a altogether accurate representation of how we talked about Josh Proctor. And a couple votes for the offensive line battle among the best backup offensive linemen to be ready to play and backup offensive tackle. So uh, some uncertainties you get ready to start the spring, but like we said, it's, it's not quite um, as widespread as it is sometimes when preseason camp is just a week away and barring alien abduction, we may know a lot about what this team is going to look like opening night by very shortly into camp. I would think. We were we had been debating this like Nathan when we were talking on the drive home from India. It was like, well, should we do this podcast in particular before camp starts, or should we do it after we get a look at people and do it, you know, the Monday after camp starts and we've maybe seen one practice or something. But our whole point was we kind of wanted to make it now based on no knowledge, based on like or the the knowledge is the knowledge we had when we left the spring game. Right. That's kind of what we're basing this on. And -hmm. there is always room. And this is one of my favorite things. It happens, I guess, sometimes more often in the spring, but it can happen in August, too. The first time you get your eyeballs on one versus ones and 11 on 11. And it's like, what? Mm -hmm. I I love that. Like, I I love those moments. You know, Darren Lee was a moment like that. It's like, what? 
He redshirted last year, second year guy. He's with the ones. Like it happens sometimes and it's real. It's almost always real. Cause it's like, why, why would a coach put a guy with the ones if he actually didn't think he was the best guy and they were anticipating him being the best guy. Now maybe someone gets hurt or maybe somebody passes him. I get it, but it matters. I, I certainly think there's a chance that of these, all these 22 positions that was actually pretty boring. We have agreed on almost everything that if we did do this in a week, we'd change because Holy moly, CJ Hicks was with the ones or Holy moly. Um, Mike Hall was with the ones like every time we saw the first team defensive line, Mike Hall was there. Well, I guess they could do that with Mike Hall and then still play cage and Vincent, you know, to, for the first snap against right. Notre Dame. It's like, well, what do you mean? Why? Then why are they putting Mike Hall here now? Like, oh, so yeah. I mean, we're open to that and our minds might change, but we purposefully did this now. That's going to wrap up this market down Monday. We will be at Ohio State practice, we believe, later this week, and so we will be bringing you intel from there. As soon as we are allowed to watch, you'll be getting the text, 614-350-3315. Doug, anything else you want to say about uh, pods coming up this week? Uh, I think that we will have a pod about home run recruits, and I do think we probably should like do like a camp preview pod. Like It's kind of basic, but it's okay to be basic when you do. 250 podcasts a year, like the five biggest questions going into camp or something, or I think maybe that's one of those that'll be worth it. And I would guess we'll tell you guys a little bit more later, but if we're at practice Thursday, we probably won't drop a podcast Thursday morning. We'll probably wait and then get up a podcast Thursday as fast as we can based on what we see. And I will also tell you as we record this on, and we're going to drop this, you know, it's market down Monday, the college football survivor show this week, we are talking about candidates who should or should not be in our playoff discussion before the season. I will tell you right now, there are six teams in that discussion so far, and it's Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Baylor, and Texas A&M. But we have not worked our way through all the conferences. I'm almost certain we are discussing Michigan this week as one of the two teams. Does Michigan belong in that conversation as a legitimate playoff contender heading into the year? So if you're curious about that, Try the College Football Survivor Show with me and Shahan J. Haraja, wherever you find Buckeye Talk. Keep your ears open for that. For Doug Maurice, for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird. That was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>